<laughs> Good morning, listeners. It's another tantalizing episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, mania, mania. Yes, as you can see, we're very awake and alive this morning because it's actually morning on Wednesday at 11 o'clock on WRIR LP, LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Hey. Hey. Yes, today we actually have a very special, illustrious guest to the new Richmond City Council. We'll let you introduce yourself, madam. What's your name? Well, hello, I am Stephanie Lynch. Woohoo! Oh, congratulations, Miss Lynch, Councilwoman elect. Yes, yes, for the, the fifth, fifth district. district. Oh, jinx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're really excited to have you here today to talk about your win, your hard fought election. Actually, that was a that was a pretty good uh, spanking you did there. <laughs> I mean, you got some good numbers in your in your election. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I think our our message resonated with folks. You know, I mean, all the candidates worked so hard. They really did. I mean, we, we were not the only ones hitting the sidewalk talking to voters, you know, getting our message out there. I mean, we really had high energy and high participation from all of the candidates. There was really not one that sat on the bench. I mean, everybody was out there, so um, I commend them. Well, and at all the forums and stuff, too, it seemed like the 5th District was really fired up and really came out, showed out. Fired up vote. in the 5th. That's right. It's true. <laughs> That's not my radio voice here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they really seemed engaged and ready to go and, and get out and vote for Parker's replacement because, you know, that's a hard seat to fill. Big, um, big shoes. He's yeah. done some really good work. We'll get this out of the way because you know, our, our listeners who are in the fifth are dying to know. So you're keeping Amy, right? <laughs> Not only we were keeping her, I was joking yes. around with you guys. We, we're, we're naming a street after her. We need a monument. Ah. <laughs> she is just incredible. And I think her spirit and her knowledge and her grasp of each of the neighborhood issues is just uh, profoundly revered by most of the residents that know her. And I think that she's a role model for me as I look to what, you know, good public service looks like her and Parker both. But I mean, she just really has been the backbone for the district. She's she's just done so much um, wonderful, wonderful stuff. So well, I think you guys will make a great team. Yeah. So I'm excited yeah. to hear that. Get out there and thank your, your council liaisons. Woman yes. power. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think people don't realize, though, how much work they actually do. Well, I don't <clears throat> think people really understand what the liaisons are and, like, what they do, who they are. Those are the people that are actually sending you guys the emails that are responding back, that are doing the legwork. Your council people are super busy and they have all these things going on, but your liaisons are the people that are actually tying the knots together and tapping your council people three times going, um, excuse me, um, excuse me, um, excuse me. We need this done. Um, excuse me. Here it is. Yeah. So I really do think you guys will be a dream team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's amazing. I mean, what, a little known fact about the fifth is I, I believe that we still hold the record for having the highest number of civic associations <laughs> y'all got them all that's actually really great though the fact that your community is very engaged mm-hmm. with each other and you know trying to make sure things go smoothly and that they hopefully will communicate with you absolutely. you know as well as they did with parker i I'm hope s- so i hope so too absolutely also i think, I think so are you the first <laughs> woman to yeah. represent the fifth correct oh yeah. my awesome. goodness in 2019 well you know <laughs> it only took 250 years <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, I, who's surprised? <laughs> I know we, incremental. <laughs> we've been having this conversation yeah. recently because of the elections and all of yeah. these firsts. You know, like you have Ghazala Hashmi. Yeah. You know, how being, damn long it takes to get to a first. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just unreal. But I mean, does that really mean something to you? Does that resonate with you? Yeah. It absolutely does. And um, you know, I was a women's studies major, so I wasn't just fancy F feminist. I mean, I actually devoted a a good part of my academic career to writing about and studying about why those systems do create barriers for firsts and why it does take so long for us to get to first. And so it, it means not only that people, I think we've moved forward and that people actually recognize that there are specific and special skill sets that women leaders bring to the table, but it also means that for a 32-year-old younger woman, I still have folks out there who will make comment or probably have less trust in me because I am younger and because I'm a woman, but it means that the majority of people have moved past that and, and we have the trust. 
that that someone who's 32 and a young woman can be um, in a in a position to to help serve her community. 32 year old women are badasses because you know uh, right? speaking of myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I would know. Ooh, girl, you 32. Thank you. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying, you know, yeah, but good. you know, I'm just saying, like, I really think that there has to be a mixture, and we actually have had this conversation before too when we're talking about community organizing and moving us forward, we need a mixture of people at the table and we need the wisdom of the elders and we also need the energy of the youth. And, you know, there's a space for everybody. And I think, I think some of us are getting to that realization now in Richmond that you've got to make space for the energized 20 something, 30 somethings at the table. If we're going to move into this next era of progressive, thinking, progressive movement, or we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to be talking about the same issue for the next (laughs) 400 years. Right. You know, and and that's truthfully fact. Like, we just won't ever get there. We'll just continue to talk about it. Whether it comes from the first woman or later the first whatever, it's going to take, you know, to actually be open-minded to stop Stop trying to gatekeep. Yes, that's the power. A thing. We know. have a lot of gatekeepers mm-hmm. here. Have you run into that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. in any system and structure, you have a small group of of individuals that uh, you know traditionally has hold held more of the power currency. Yeah. Um, than the marginalized um, and disempowered groups. Yes, yes, we have old Richmond is still old Richmond, um, and that is fortunately we've we've seen a change on the state level. You know, I came in and entered um, into the world of politics and systems change and policy making when we had a super super uh, democratic minority and now we have a majority I thought it was going to be 55 before I saw that so mm-hmm. um, I think the tides are shifting but at the local level yeah I, I think we still have some of the same players yeah but I, I think I think it takes a gradual step and we'll get there Richmond has a has an ebb and flow of leadership and lessons we have to learn that's why we're here Par- we love Parker Parker is the encyclopedia Britannica of council and we'll certainly miss him but you gotta follow the rules you can't live in the first and represent the fifth yeah you gotta keep your ass where you're supposed to represent so stay put Stephanie yeah Um, (laughs) don't move are we going anywhere Destin (laughs) okay good don't move don't move Um, no but it is really important representation is Uh uh, really really important and I'm sure it probably is going to be a challenge for you to be a representative for everyone Mm -hmm. you know that is the challenge to make sure that you are and it I think at all times, even if regardless of what demographic you fit into, even if you're a minority, you still have to kind of make those check marks. But it, it'll probably require a conscientious effort to literally go down that checklist and make sure that am I covering all of my constituents? Yeah, I mean, not just the ones that look like me or mm-hmm. live in the same neighborhood that I live in or, you know, work in the same social economic class that I do or so on and so forth. And that's a challenge for almost all of our districts, except for maybe one. <laughs> I mean, <Maybe. clears> when you were out on the campaign trail, though, did you, um, you know, uh, run into anyone that felt like they were left out in the fifth? Did anybody ever tell you that? Yeah, I mean, I think largely the the numbers and kind of the energy behind our campaign, some of that was attributed to the fact that we, I am a South of the River resident. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the river is the divide through the fifth district and through the heart of the city, really. And a lot of the residents uh, that live south of the river in my district and um, outside of it feel that, um, you know, it's I mean, it, we, we can physically see that there's less resources and I think less um, just less equity across the board. I mean, we, we if you look at the patterns of redlining in Richmond, um, I mean, we have all but one um, neighborhood south of the river that was redlined into sorry, the CD, CD. mortgages, mm-hmm. um, which then, of course, uh, predicated um, communities of color being segregated into certain geographic boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, absolutely, we, we feel that. But, I mean, you, you bring up an excellent point in how diverse demographically the 5th District is, and that's the reason why I love it so much. My heart is, of course, in social justice and um, and, in, and in empowering our communities of color, empowering our marginalized communities within the 5th District. Um, I took a walking tour around George Wythe on Friday evening, and I got real angry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Tell I us got, why. I got real heated. Um, I, I had, um, I think the last time that I actually walked around um, George Wythe, admittedly, because I've been there 
I mean, I've been there um, several times throughout this campaign and then did some work um, at George with uh, um, a couple years back in my work, uh, social worker capacity. But mm -hmm. um, in any case, been a little bit since I took an actual, I mean, since, you know, I just familiarized myself with the hallways and did the, j did a full walking tour. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I vocally screamed <laughs> Hey, and don't worry, it was in the evening. No one was there. But it's rough. Yeah. But when we when we allow our schools, when we allow a school like George With to get left behind the way that it has been, we are telling every child that walks into that building that we have left them behind. We don't care. That we do not care about them, mm -hmm. and that stops. That that's that stops today. I mean, we're we're doing something about that. Uh, you can take that to the grave. Mm -hmm. um, George With and all of our high schools that have not, ha have kind of, I, I think, get, gotten swept under the rug, quite frankly. Um, you know, I think that the time to invest in equity across kindergarten through 12th grade education is now. Um, if we want a Richmond that is going to serve everybody and um, serve and keep the new burgeoning millennial population that is helping our economy to grow, we can't just focus on elementary school. Mm -mm. Uh, middle school can't be an afterthought, and high school can't be um, high schools can't be buildings and programs that get completely left behind and out of eyesight. We we've got to get a handle on this, and we got to do it. We got to do it now. It's been an ongoing, I think, battle, and it's it's like that often when resources are already sparse, you know, and people feel like they have to make a decision what's more important and of course people will say well K through 12 is is such a, a, a large area to try to fix and so let's start with you know early education because that's the most fundamental and it's like that's true but if you just drop them off there <laughs> and we don't continue that trend on we're not preparing them for, or what we are preparing them for is is failure thereafter because they're not going to leave these high schools prepared to go into the workforce. Right. Um, yeah, I just feel like our middle school and high school kids kind of get dropped behind, and we hear all the time about elementary schools here. Mm -hmm. And, hey, that's great, but we have these kids who are, at this point, you know, in middle school and high school, they really are more aware of what's going on around them and can really understand it, and I think they feel it. Mm -hmm. yeah. They feel left out. They feel left behind. And, um, yeah, I guess it's your job to work with your uh, school board, school board mm -hmm. and, and get administration some stuff done. And gets it, yeah. 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 Um, I, I was thinking, I'm like, well, why don't we draw a tiff um, and do something for George With? How about that? Wouldn't that be an interesting George Wouldn't I'm that telling be something? You, George With is, an, is the next school that's on the, it's on the it list. Is. And I know that I've heard a couple people saying that, you know, before we agree to do anything else with schools, George With needs to be at the top right. of the list. And that is absolutely It's just similar. shameful. Like, you can even just drive by it. Oh, I know. And see that it's been neglected for so long. What really uh, got me in when I when I had my outburst of anger in the hallway is when I went past the, the, art, um, the art classroom. Yeah, it's and, probably almost empty. Oh, man. I mean, it was just art for me. I'm an artist, and um, art for me um, helped me get through. I'm a survivor. And it helped me get through um, some very traumatic and very um, unsavory experiences um, that I experienced growing up. Um, and I didn't go to schools that were dissimilar to Richmond Public Schools. Mm -hmm. And and I know if I wouldn't have had art and some of the other programs as an outlet and um, and good teachers wrapping their arms of support around me, I, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that art classroom and... Um, it, it really looked like a Destitute. bombed out, you know, industrial mm -hmm. uh, zombie <laughs> area. I mean, it was just awful. Yeah. No supplies, no. And I mean, people are instead of I mean, they've lost their classroom placards. So they're using um, construction paper to to note which class it is. Um, there are signs all around that are kind of telling, you know, kind of. Uh, adults only. I mean, it's it, it almost it is so institutional, and um, so so akin to what I would see at a DJJ, a Department of Juvenile mm -hmm. Justice Center, that it's kind of like what are we, are what are we telling our 
children that walk into this space. Mm-hmm. We are almost enforcing that upon them. Yeah, and school is almost like a second home. They spend more time in school during the weekdays than they do, mm-hmm. you know, at home. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not making it welcoming, mm-hmm. you might as well, I mean, you might as well just be sending them to prison. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's sad. And like you were saying about art, art is therapy. Mm-hmm. Music is therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have, theater is therapy. When you have these ways to express yourself and you don't keep that inside you know then you can really grow and rise above whatever it is that's keeping you down and to hear that is I mean I'm so disheartened I'm so sad yeah to hear that and oh we got to do better got to do better I mean and that's not to say strengths perspective right Mm-hmm. I'm snapping mm-hmm. in the, for those of you in there. But yeah. strengths perspective, I mean, that's not to say that there's not amazing teachers. There's awesome, amazing students there that are just slaying it every day academically. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you know, I think a lot of good work that that's I, I don't want to negate the good work that is being done there. It's right. just we it is our job as a city, city to support that. They're doing the best with what they have. That's right. Yeah. You know, and you can only go so far as what you're given. It's not like these teachers can say, okay, well, I'm just going to spend my entire paycheck on art supplies today. It happens, though. But it happens. Yeah, these teachers are doing that. We shouldn't have to put them through that. And um, so I'm really heartened to hear your thoughts on this. That's great. Thank you. Let's kind of go through a lot. You don't have to have a formalized list, of course, because, you know, you're pretty fresh on this. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, if you had to make, you know, kind of a rundown of, of course, you've got to hit the ground running. You yeah, know. it's not like you get any kind of grace period no. or anything yeah. here. Or like, any opportunity this, to really put stuff this in the is, budget. Yeah, <laughs> right? This is your grace period. Like, do now. Because right. when, when are you, um, when are you um, sworn in? The 1st of December. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you have. Yeah, this is your grace period. Mm-hmm. Zero to 60 and, you know, in no time flat. Yeah, what's on your list? So the priority, I think, is assessing where we are what Parker has on the table with um, with budget item and with legislative initiatives, which we are in the process of transition planning and doing that now. So okay. kind of taking an assessment of well, what do I have to work with here? Parker and I are extremely like-minded. Okay. I mean, it's oh, kind excellent. Of, That's it's kind of freaky. Hear. It's freaky deaky dutch how, how like, <laughs> like-minded we are in policy. I also am very wonky um, and, and really enjoy diving deep into um into the details on things him and i have very 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 similar um thoughts about um what you know how to uh, how does the city deal with its um non-taxable land that it's sitting on its mm-hmm. properties its parcels how do we start generating revenue how do we um how do we move forward on um different infrastructure projects and which streets need to be addressed so i mean a lot of it i think is is going to be complementary to the agenda that he has already set or had in motion rather there are a couple things though that i do want to um focus on beyond i mean he's already given me a good full plate Mm -hmm. but just a couple little little things to add on to that would be to ensure that we get some signalized crossings in areas that need it because we road safety and having walkable bikeable roads is a priority sounds as dangerous y'all <laughs> yeah i'm telling it's you death, y'all. um <laughs> and so, so um getting um you know getting some signalized crossing in front of patrick henry is going to be a, a, a top priority continuing on with the law enforcement <laughs> measures to make sure that we're doing the the stops to keep down um, speeders on Sims Avenue. If we can push to get some budget money for a stoplight, I'd like to break that straight away up. I think a lot of our neighbors south of the river would as well. And then signalized crossings to connect the Carillon and the um, Athletic Trail and um, Maymont. I think that would kind of be a nice uh, a nice kind of connection to kind of bridge all that wonderful walkable area there. Right now it's pretty unsafe. For folks i would agree with that and pump house i would love to love the love 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 to really get the wheels um in motion on that there's a lot of work that's being done right now um within parks and rec and with the friends shout out to the friends of pump house they were awesome mm-hmm. and the friends of the james you know we have some wonderful friends groups in our park systems it would be um amazing to see that venue come to life for what it once was and have it be a space for all communities to gather. Um, we don't have enough spaces in Richmond where we have, uh, where we truly have an integrated and wonderful, um, wonderfully diverse space for people to come together and, and, and celebrate fellowship. 
And yeah, and you guys, in the fifth, you have some really great green spaces. You really do. Um, and I know that Parker and Amy really have spearheaded cleanups out there. Do you plan to keep up with that, too? Oh, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't, I don't, you know, publicize or take pictures of this type of stuff, but I actually um, spent my Friday before the election doing a, a cleanup with a couple of neighbors um, in um, Midlothian Turnpike and Reedy Creek neighborhood. And so we picked up about six bags of trash um, outside of Swansboro Elementary. Amazing. Awesome. And, um, and we're going to keep that, the Midlothian Turnpike and that whole, that whole area that then filters down into the Reedy Creek and into the James River is the area where I'm going to pay particular attention to that we don't get as much um, frequency of, of, of pickup. But, but shout out to Amy. Um, I mean, Amy was out there yesterday. Um, her and Robin Mines were actually out there yesterday doing mm -hmm. um, a cleanup. And, um, and you know, she does RVA clean sweep. So, I mean, mm -hmm. she's, mm -hmm. she's fantastic with that. And I know that we're going to continue beautifying our neighborhoods. I hope that you will also um, encourage your other colleagues, your council folks, to get involved in that in their own mm -hmm. districts because mm -hmm. I find that that's lacking. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have council organized cleanups and I think it's a good way for council members to get to know their neighbors their constituents as do well it, to yeah. get out there and get dirty and really look at your neighborhoods and do together it. and then also it's a really wonderful chance for residents to speak to their council person and tell them you see this this is the problem we're having. Mm -hmm. Do you see this giant sinkhole here? This is an issue. You know, it's it's a really good way for fellowship to happen with your council person. So please encourage them yeah, to I do think, this. I think Parker and, and Mike might be the only two people that really consistently do that. Um, Kristen may do a little bit I of this. I was yeah. going to say, I think Kristen, Kristen does some does. cleanup too, but I'd I'm love sure to see don't. Ellen out there. Yes, I'm calling you out. I would love that's to see, that's person. my council person. I'd <laughs> love to see you out there cleaning up with us. Get a grabby and a bucket. Let's go. I just think that it really puts a different perspective when you're out there doing that for a council person. So let's do it. Also, um, what about like walking tours? You know, grab the mayor, grab the police chief, and you plan on doing some walking tours with 100%. your residents? I'm so pumped about that, actually. Um, that's going to be... Um, so we're heading into winter, so, yeah, so I'll I, probably, I <laughs> I'll probably, I mean, I'm still gonna, gonna see how many we can do. Bundle up and get out there. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm down for it. Um, obviously not afraid of walking the district. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Did it into thousands of doors. But in any case, I, I think that's a really important, um, function of a city council member is to go and just get to know all the streets like the back of your hand. Yeah, um, it's super important to do and, that. And Parker and Amy both do and uh and so i look forward to um doing that walk with each of the civic association presidents i've done that with several uh all right like during the campaign obviously we, we got a lot of time um going and really getting to know the issues in the neighborhood but i think doing that with a with a different hat on will mean will mean something um uh you know mean a little more and, and probably mean something different to these folks so i yeah. look forward to that yeah uh, since we're on the topic of working together and, you know, collaborating with the community, you know, have you had any dealings yet with or met with your school board representative? Because we hope that you'll be working closely with them, especially if you're going to hit the ground running to try to see what you can do for George with. Absolutely. What, what do you foresee that relationship looking like? And what would you like to see that relationship look like if it's not already there? Oh, it's there. I am super good. pumped. Um, I think Patrick uh, Sapini and I are going to do a lot of good work. I've got great relationships with most of the folks on um, school board. I haven't been afforded the opportunity to meet every single person yet, mm -hmm. um, but I had existing relationships with, with several of them. Um, Patrick uh, and I, I, I kind of look at us as a caucus. Um, and so if we hold strong and if we, there's so much power when you collaborate with folks and, um, and, you know, if we hold strong and kind of work on identifying the top, um, two, three budget priorities mm -hmm. that we want to get done for schools, George with is going to be, I'm, I'm sure at the top of that list. Um, uh, you know, I, I very much look forward to working with him. I, I have a great deal of respect for him. Um, I think we're going to be able to get a lot done. I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope so. And then we'll invite you guys back. We're going through the series throughout the year of State of Richmond of all the districts. Mm. 
And so we'll give you a little time with that too yeah. to settle in, and we'll skip. And yeah, we, we'll, we'll do, skip you guys. We'll, and we'll come. Go to the we'll six. come back around because you're next in line, of course. Yeah, but we'll we'll come back around to that because uh, <laughs> you know we weren't expecting all of this to happen, so we yeah, put it on hold. What do you mean you haven't done it in two weeks? <laughs> I know. God, get on it, girl. Exactly. Yeah. So don't we'll, worry, I'm notoriously impatient too. An <laughs> expedited timeline for most things. Right. Bad, right. With your council colleagues, everybody's got a big personality mm -hmm. uh, these days. And, you know, there are alliances and they it's like Survivor sometimes. Um, it is. And you your know, ass will get voted off the island. I know you've got like outliers over here or whatever. you got people that will mm -hmm. you know, snipe at each other during uh, meetings and stuff. How do you see yourself fitting into that and uh, dealing with those kind of uh, personality clashes and issues? Or what's the strategy, really? Yeah, what because is your strategy? The, that, that's the key. I mean, we saw alliances change, and I think eventually they do always change, which is actually healthy, and it's good for people to kind of get on and see. But it's really about strategy. Mm -hmm. What do you foresee the strategy being in trying to navigate being the new kid on the block in the middle, but also at the end of the race, almost? That's right, going into an election year. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Bingo, yeah. Um, well, here's the number one rule that I intend to follow that's going to be my guiding principle for everything. I work for the residents of the 5th District. Mm -hmm. That is who I work for. The, those, the residents are my boss. I have a lot of bosses. Um, but the residents are my boss, my employer, um, and my guiding light in how I make decisions. Um, and I answer to no one else but them. Boom. I think we can all align on the higher level goals of how to improve Richmond, what we want, or I should say we, should, we align on what we know we need to improve and I think what the end goal looks like, right? Because mm -hmm. I truly do believe that the majority of human beings want the best for themselves, the people around them, and their communities. Hmm. How we get there. <laughs> That's the social worker talking to you, honey. <laughs> Got to bring the best out to everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how we get there is sometimes a question, right? Mm -hmm. But I think, I think I'm, you know, my, my general approach has always been to collaborate and consensus build and to work with as many folks as, as we possibly can. I think that city council members, city council as a body, um, needs to be unified as a voice for their people. The administration, the executive branch has a role, the legislative branch has a role, and um, in many ways outside stakeholders have a role. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I think we can all be unified in the fact that, and come together, um, in the fact that we are the elected officials for this city. Mm -hmm. um, we have been nominated by our people to support them and to be their voice. And I think you saw some wonderful collaboration, you know, when the, uh, the budget last year was um, <laughs> there is a lot of, there is a lot of, it wasn't a smooth path to get to that consensus and to get to that type of collaboration. But, but at the end of the day, what the city council members did, regardless of if you agree with their approach or, or with, with their decision or not, what right. they did was they went back and they really listened to people and enough people said, you know what? No, if you raise my taxes, I'm going to get pushed out of my neighborhood. Right. Um, or, you know, they talked you know, they they heard many, many voices that said, you know, I, I, I think as a city council member, you need to be more um, uh, judicious and um, and take a closer look at exactly where this money is going. And so all of those voices collectively, the majority won out. And so city council members were able to come together, fully fund schools and not increase uh, property taxes. Now, you can, again, I'm not saying I was a proponent or an opponent of, of that tax increase, but I think it's an example of city council members all working together and, and holding strong. I, and I'm kind of hoping, too, that you will be able to um, bring people together and get them a little less um, contentious in some areas. And maybe you can help them, you know, see that uh, collaboration is much better. It's a we much better way. Yes, let's hold hands and kumbaya. Just have me do the Lord's work. <laughs> right? No, seriously. Okay. Right? Uh, I'm really, you know, I'm really excited to, to work with them. And um, I think Cynthia, I met with Cynthia Newbill and, and Chris, and they're just so wonderful. Um, yeah. they're happy really, belated birthday, Cynthia. Hey, happy belated. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that, 
I really do. I think everyone's, um, the majority of folks, their heart is in the right place. And, and as long as, as long as we're starting there, um, if we're starting from a place of, of good intent and of all trying to meet the same goal, that, that's a good place to start from. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I do appreciate that in all my colleagues. Oh, that's a good, uh, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll check back with you in six months. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. I promise you it'll be the same. <laughs> I promise. Snap, crackle, and we'll see. We'll see. I'm telling you. Snap, crackle, and we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Snap, crackle, and we'll see. This isn't my first rodeo, by the way. I've had to deal throughout my career with many, 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 many competing interests. Yeah. Um, and being in the General Assembly and having to be in the middle of legislators and different personalities within the caucus outside of the caucus on on both parties um having to move policy forward across different you know lobbyists and interest groups that may or may not hate each other or love each other on a particular day i mean this is yeah something that um i've been doing for a long time so i think good you um, should be well suited <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not new and i i i think i have a great deal of respect for my city council colleagues. I really, really um, am very excited to work with them. Um, and I know you mentioned earlier, uh, briefly, uh, looking for other ways to generate revenue for the city. Do you have any thoughts on that? Any ideas other outside of this whole TIF district uh, discussion? Wait, you mean we can't do a TIF around the entire city and just... What? <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> Tiffs, tiffs, da da da. Um, Woo, no, I think that's how that works. No, nope, not how that works. <laughs> not a good idea. Um, in any case, um, you know, one of the things, and and going back to that, actually ties in, I think, with the with the tiff and why we don't particularly need one, um, is the fact that we have, um, I think, the estimate was somewhere between thirteen to fourteen hundred new kid on the block. So don't hold me to numbers yet. Um, thirteen to fourteen hundred um, city-owned parcels that are sitting. Uh, right now, not generating a penny for us. Um, you know, actually, the Navy Hill uh, is an example of one of those pieces of property. We really do need to look at, and I think, and Parker was working on this, a strategy and a timeline for getting those on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, by doing that, we do one of several things. We increase the housing inventory, which hopefully decreases housing and rental prices o- across the board. Um, Lord knows we need that. We spur um, we spur economic development in uh, the communities where we've sold off these parcels. And icing on the cake, and the mo- most importantly, we start generating tax revenue um, off of those parcels. Um, secondly, I think that for a long time we have not gotten what our fair, our fair share out of the Virginia state budget. I think we need to really look closely at what the state agency is paying us in payment in lieu of taxes. I guarantee you that the, I think it's $3.7 million is what's going into our coffers is woefully um, <laughs> under assessed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we need to, we need to look at that. Um, and then I, I think, I, and I'm very excited um, in the general assembly this year um, I've already been working on a couple of things. I know the governor's budget is going to have a couple of, of ornaments um, that is going to help both Richmond Public City Schools and give us some opportunities to generate revenue. So there's already a bit of um, uh, back work that I think, um, um, or leg work rather, um, that I think has been done that we may see the benefits of here in Richmond. And certainly in the hallways of the General Assembly, you're going to f- see my happy face being an advocate for for Richmond and um, and also for for mental health and healthcare as I have been doing as well. Excellent. You are one of the few fifth district candidates to come forward and talk about our eviction and housing crisis. What do you see your role as a city councilor in taking our HA to task for these sort of things? Yes, they've put a hold for the rest of the year on evictions. Woohoo. <laughs> good for them but that doesn't actually solve the problem I mean they're warehousing units they're not accepting applications I mean this is a nightmare for a large portion of our residents I mean, and what here. does it really do if we're in a, I mean they're going to be in a heating crisis in the next 30 days in right. the first place anyway so um, what do you see your role there as you know helping to alleviate some of those issues well there's what I can do within the confines of my role as a city council member 
And then there's what I can do as my role as a public elected official with a platform and a voice. Mm -hmm. um, I think those two things are very different. I've always acknowledged and recognized that. My, my first, um, you know, there's four different um, policy points that I put forward in a statement that was released soon after the Creighton Court, uh, the news of the evictions of Creighton Court were mm -hmm. put forward. I know, personally know a lot of those families or have um, friends that know families that are there. Um, my godson grew up in Mosby Court and it's happening in Mosby too. And I know some folks that are, are facing uh, um, or that were facing eviction. So it's very, very real and tangible. And I think that we have to continue, anyone that has a platform um, has to continue and acknowledge that this is not okay. And, and raising awareness and consciousness raising is, a, is very much a part of the policymaking process. Mm -hmm. It starts with, with raising awareness and consciousness raising. But from a policy perspective, actually fix it, you know, I'm going to have to rely on um, forging positive and collaborative relationships um, with the commissioner, um, with stakeholder groups, with residents themselves so that we can empower them. Um, I think if we had, I think two really common sense things that we may be able to get move forward in the next year are one, um, the housing dashboard. So it shows uh, something that, that requires a 30-day, a monthly report that lists every Section 8 voucher that's available right now. Who's on the waiting list? For mm. um, who's on the waiting list and, and how long. Mm -hmm. um, every public unit that's available in the inventory, that includes those that have been warehoused and those that um, are, are vacant but not, uh, and, and somebody could move into them. Um, and then every, um, every uh, Section 8 unit that we have. Mm -hmm. So the availability of those um, private uh, property owners that are taking Section 8 vouchers. If we had, yeah. if we had that information, so that we could have a, a 15,000 feet up kind of look um, from a from a systems um, perspective, we could better prepare and better better prepare, and I think better help the folks writ large kind of assess how are we going to house our 3,400 mm -hmm. um, families that we have now and, and ensure that no one loses their housing. But, I mean, I am, I am going to be pretty ferocious <laughs> about <laughs> making sure that for our 5th district, I mean, we have a lot of, um, I mean, we have a number of um, public housing um, units in our 5th district. So, of course, you know, I'm going to be an ardent protector of those of those units because those are within you know my my your own district uh, my own district right. um but i but i um i don't think that means that I, that i cannot work with my other colleagues and with other stakeholders to raise awareness about folks outside of the district as well okay yeah affordable housing is something and that that might lead us right into uh, the next topic which is Navy Hill, that's been, it's been tossed back and forth. The latest article that came out this past week um, from Mark Robinson was talking about, you know, when new developments come in through the city, city council passed um, an ordinance that you have to have a certain amount of affordable housing to a certain percentage capita um, in order for it to work. And this particular plan does not meet that. It's at 13% with the 280 units not the 15 like it's supposed to be mm -hmm. and they keep you know bouncing back and forth and I to my understanding um, as I've been following along forever on this process it does feel like it's forever doesn't God, it? it does you know it's, <laughs> it's been a decade in the making guys. I'm telling <laughs> you like oh my god but you know it's like the you know the units are going to be affordable and then they you know they you know they said they were going to be affordable for but for who well, what is a thousand dollars a month for a studio? How how is that? Yeah. Who is that affordable? Well, Sixty to? and eighty percent AMI, yeah. And it's like, well, it, it, <laughs> you got people now arguing. Well, you've got people that are going to be displaced because of the project, mm -hmm. and it's like, technically, yes and no. It's not necessarily they're going to be displaced because of the project, but has this project or has this whole thing in and of a nutshell, you know 
we have to look at the whole trend itself. Well, it can you know? leak. It's it's going to leak into neighborhoods right. that are surrounding. Exactly. It's going to, no matter what they say, exactly. it's going to exactly. leak into Jackson Ward, into Highland Park, exactly. into wherever. Exactly. So it's not on paper that it's going to. So what, what we see on paper, you know, is not. So that's a technicality. And I mean, but, rolling know, around. You've got sense enough to know that, yeah. Well, rolling around the city, you see a whole bunch of market rate mm-hmm. housing going up. Mm-hmm. But what we need Mm-hmm. is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we change mm-hmm. <laughs> from this trend of, no, we've got to put it up for these young professionals to actually getting housing to the people who need it? Like, Well, see, the, the issue is you have to create value in the people that, <laughs> if I'm, I'm the person that's building the housing and I'm the city that, you know, has the land, and I want to attract people to come and spend money. I want to attract the people that are going to spend the most money and spend, you know, create the most rent. Right. And so I want to attract a certain kind of people. And so that's that's the true thing. Mm-hmm. So if I don't value the people that I feel like or that I know that trends say are going to live in affordable housing that are below a certain AMI, then I'm not really going to fight too hard to put 40%, 30% or below AMI into a certain area in the city or in my city at all because, uh, you know, with that, AMI comes X, Y, Z. And so those people, those exactly. And so that's the problem. And so you have to attack it from the whole end. Like, say it, you know, you... Now we're going into this trend, and it's not just in Virginia, it's not just in Richmond, it's a nationwide trend of this deconcentration of poverty. Mm-hmm. And so now we want mixed income housing because, and this is the same thing <laughs> that we're doing with schools, you know, black child has to sit beside a white kid to be able to learn better. <laughs> and it's like, that's not really the truth, it's that you guys have equated the value of this white child in the classroom, and that the resources follows that white child. And so in order for the resources to touch the black kid, the black, the white child has to be in the classroom. And so now what you're saying is in order for these poor people to be in a neighborhood where they have access to a grocery store and they have access to a banking institution other than cash for payday loans, <laughs> then you have to have mixed income housing where there's a grad student and a lawyer and a doctor and a school teacher. And Sorry, that's what I think about that. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the right where I'm at. It is. I, that's it. And that's what they're saying. This is what needs to happen. And it's so very frustrating. We're, I'm sorry. We're it just is. leaving so many people behind. So many Richmonders that are already here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are here mm-hmm. and established and need help. Mm-hmm. All we're doing is repeating the same trends that we've done over and over the and over Richmond again. way. We're just making it sound nice by saying we just want to deconcentrate the poverty. And really all we're doing is saying, my bad, we moved you from over here and we put you on my this bad. slab of concrete. But now we need this slab of concrete to make this really pretty building <laughs> so we want you to pack your shit up and go i don't care where you go we just need you to go that's what it feels like i don't here. i don't care who. right yeah. yeah i don't care where you go is, yeah is i don't the, really the care attitude. where i don't really care where you go i just need you to fuck from over here so that i can get this piece of concrete back so i can build something else on top of it thank you that is that's where we are and i mean that's the real truth yeah. of it if we're really going to be honest about it like that's really what's happening and so the people that are, were, are displaced by Navy Hill were already displaced. They've mm-hmm. been displaced for decades already. Yep. That's the truth. So if we're going to talk about it, then talk about that. Yeah. You know, what the people who are being evicted right now from Creighton, you know, this is, to be honest, I mean, you can call it being related to Navy Hill, the project now, but this is a, a, whole, a beast of a whole other thing, and this is where we are. Like, this is the trend of of housing, of capitalism, of everything else that we deal with in the city as a whole. And it's gone unchecked for I don't know how long because this is how this is this is where we are. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is where we are, and it's going to continue to be that way. They'll continue to, you know, kind of sweep black and brown and poor people mm-hmm. into the next little corner of where they want, and then and they'll go and like, annex that county until they want that, and then they'll push us somewhere damn else, and then they'll go I'm annex that going, too. But we got to change it. Yeah, well, you know. We got to change it. They will change it when they need more property. <laughs> When they need the slab of concrete that your ass is sitting on then, then they'll go and change that too. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as someone, you know, who has studied and has a great deal of um, academic background in redlining and um, Mm -hmm. in the historical context of some of these neighborhoods, I mean, we started with, well, we didn't start with redlining, but redline solidified um, where these where these concentrations are. Mm-hmm. We then have thriving, thriving black communities mm-hmm. um, and, and black neighborhoods. Yeah. And then we bulldozed over them when we had the, uh, when um, federally the urban renewal project um, raised through and then um, uh, put uh, highways and expressways um, right through the middle of just, beautiful thriving black communities absolutely um and then we did things like um create white enclaves in school zones and um uh make sure that we protected um and uh overfunded certain neighborhoods and underfunded underfunded others others. Mm -hmm. um and so all of this has led to um what we are seeing and experiencing right now the people that I care about the most are those people. <laughs> That's where my heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's As well it should be. Thank you. Just, I mean, I'm going to be a dogged advocate on city council to make sure that we aren't doing things that um, push people out or leave people behind. Um, I think to build a Navy Hill, one thing that I'm trying to um, – correct in the vernacular of the discussion on Navy Hill is talking about it as or billing it <coughs> as anything other than a real estate de- deal for Navy Hill Corp. It is not an affordable housing deal. No, it's okay. Not. It is it is not a public it's not a savior for public transportation. <laughs> no. Um it it is it is certainly not That was the Pulse um, project. A <laughs> ching. <laughs> <laughs> <Ching. laughs> um it is it is certainly not um, a, a jobs program that's going to um, save African-American communities and provide ongoing, meaningful work. Um, it is being billed as that, and, it, and, and people are getting spun up over those benefits um, without really looking at the, the raw core contents of the deal and who it actually benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think until, I think until we can have truthful conversations about that, cause look, there's nothing wrong with real estate deals. Mm-mm. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with, uh, I'm not saying that I'm not demonizing anyone that comes in and tries to seize opportunity for themselves I mean, we need economic development yeah. every city needs economic development that's a part of growth that's right it's just how you do it right that's it but let's not let's not bill it as something that it's not and i think going back to and that ties into the fundamental question of how do we generate revenue for richmond and make sure that we are not leaving people behind as we grow and we need to we need to really take a look at all of these parcels. The reason why um, Creighton and some of the big six courts that are sitting on valuable real estate are being, I think, examined or targeted or what have you mm-hmm. um, for their for their property for their land and, and being looked at by developers is because we have a shortage of investable marketable land mm-hmm. right now. Okay, so the math doesn't add up to me. If we've got property over here that's sitting vacant that we could sell off, and we've got um, a high, high demand, what are we doing? What are we doing? What I hear from a lot of our, where, where I think this, this philosophical descent comes from is there are those that, that at, at their core think and believe that a city should have control on what goes on its property. And that it should not relinquish relinquish that land. Mm-hmm. 
And then there are those like myself that, you know, I, yes, I think we should have some input, but that's, that's why we have zoning, code enforcement, land use and planning. Mm -hmm. um, but why wait and why, why extend the timetable of generating revenue and, um, and allowing for developers and others to, to use very, very um, high potential land? Why, why do that? I mean, it, to me, that just doesn't make sense. But I think it's a philosophical question. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm, the, those that stand in that camp are wrong. Mm -hmm. Or right, I just think it's a, it's a different um, approach. Approach. We've got two minutes left. In your last two minutes, is there anything that we haven't covered? Anything that you want to say to your constituents and all of Richmond? I as love you. you. <laughs> yep. As you enter this you. Uh, new phase in your life, because <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's a it's a big step in your life to be a council person and represent a large body of people. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 really truly honored. Um, when 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 I I, have to be, I had to be told about eight times that it was actually real, um, but I am I'm just so truly honored because I think that we have so much potential and I I I take the mission of listening, understanding that the only reason why I'm here is because the people of the fifth district uh, put their faith in me and so I put my faith in them, and they are who I answer to. Um, and they are who I will continue to listen to. And that's a promise um, that I made the moment I decided to do this. Um, and that's a promise I will keep until, um, it, well, indefinitely. <laughs> so, um, so I have a lot of love in my heart for all of the residents, all of the, um, the folks that supported me that didn't, um, that didn't get to have a voice uh, this election. I, I really and truly look forward to serving them. Um, and serving the, the city and where I think um, we all, as a collective, um, want to, to take us. And I'm very, very proud to represent them. Well, congratulations. Yes. Um, good luck and prepare to be tweeted about and at um, every other Monday. I um, <laughs> I got to get my Twitter game up, people. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just talk to Mike Jones. Um, <laughs> he'll tell you. We sit right behind him every other Monday. Talk to him about gummy bears. We're accepting, you know, sweets, you know, and, and snacks via, you know, council chambers you know, keep rva dirt them. happy <laughs> keep us in snacks I no know. no that's uh, not gonna get no, not at all. About, but um <laughs> no we're, we're very excited to see about uh see where you go and yeah. where you take this um and again congratulations and thank you for coming today to talk about uh this new experience in your life yes and I'll, i can't wait to see the social worker spin on council because i feel like that's going to be this this bleeding heart of I, f I feel you. This, I know, I, right? I just hope it. I just hope it just like pricks the hearts of some of these Corilla Devilles that we got sitting <laughs> in council. <laughs> I hope it works. I think I it's know. gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a very interesting dynamic. I so. I do. I hope it. I hope it works. I hope that she like. I hope you just fire them up. I know. I'm forever hopeful. So yes. Oh, thank you all so much Thanks. for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. As always, listeners, we appreciate your listening to us every week as well as this week. You can catch us here at 11 o'clock on, on Wednesdays. Yes, on Wednesdays. WRIR. LP. 97.3. FM. Richmond. Independent Radio. <laughs> Flint still has dirty water, and now so does New Jersey. Great. RPS is fully funded for this year, but clearly we need to start working on next year. And Stephanie Lynch says we need new with, and she ain't lying. We do. And Richmond is still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to you next week. You can hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt if you want to continue this conversation or start another.